Welcome back to The Past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello! Heyo! Welcome back to a brand new season of Dating Ourselves. Or rather, the first canon, secular, mythology for the X-Files fans out there episode (laughs) of 2020. This is 2020. Say, uh, Brian... What's your favorite episode of the X-Files again? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's actually the one where that podcast host from the Midwest goes missing under mysterious circumstances. Oh, shit. <laughs> I had pneumonia, damn it. <laughs> it wasn't that mysterious. I live in Michigan. It's 18 degrees. There you go. There you go. Well, if you missed our last episode, really go check that out. We uh, discussed that place where everybody knows your name, Cheers. You can find that and all of our past content on datingourselvespodcast.com, on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcast. I find mine in the woods out back. Oh, really? Yeah. Ne- yeah. Next next to Old Yeller's grave. And Brian's favorite <laughs> episode of The X-Files. Oh, no! <laughs> Dw- Dwayne Barry's back there hanging out with our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we really appreciate our listener support, and we'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners on iTunes about our show. If you'd like to leave us a five-star written review on iTunes, we would definitely love to read it on air as a way to say thank you. Here's this week's five-star review. It's from the Mighty Tem 88 It says, Listening to this show almost makes me miss Boone's Farm and the terrible graphics of N64. <laughs> what a combination. Seriously. <laughs> you know, what a compliment. Looking back on the N64, it really is amazing how, like, how misshapen and oblong everything was. And we have such like yeah. amazing memories of it, but go back and watch a YouTube video. I don't know if it's just the difference between playing it on a 13-inch tube TV in your bedroom versus, you know, the brand new 1080p TV. Sure. But it is really terrible to look at. Oh, yeah. To be fair, like, up to that point, all that we had was, like, the Nintendo and the Sega Genesis and... Uh, maybe Dreamcast? Yeah, See, I think say Dreamcast that. and PS1 Put, Hook a Sega Genesis up to a modern TV, fire up Castlevania, looks beautiful. Fire it up on the 64, and I swear I can push my fingers through the pixels. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, but at the same time, like it was the first generation where they were jumping from like flat 2D graphics to the like polygon graphics so it it was a big jump but you know it certainly hasn't uh aged well in that manner but it was good for its time i'm picturing wave race 64 (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) yes goldeneye and all of those where you could tell that they like somehow took a picture of the person and then wrapped them onto the polygons so it was like oh yeah you can tell that kind of looks like pierce brosnan if you like carved the skin off of Pierce Brosnan's head and tried to paste it to a cardboard box, I say and wrapped it around a bunch of like empty produce boxes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's serious, like some weird like 
Silence of the Lamb shit. <laughs> like wearing a bodysuit. <laughs> Put the pixels think... on the skin. <laughs> <laughs> or he gets the load screen again. <laughs> I think we just learned Nintendo's dirty secret on how they did the Nintendo 64. There's a reason why Timothy Dalton hasn't been seen in so many years. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, thank you, the Mighty Tem88. Five-star reviews are always encouraged, and be sure to tell your friends about dating ourselves. And I'll right. never miss Boone's Farm. <laughs> that <laughs> part of my life is sealed forever. Alcoholic Kool-Aid? <laughs> mm. that, that's our new goal, Brian. We're going to get Paul to drink Boone's Farm again. Oh, man. You're not yeah. going to do it. I might settle for a Zima in the right circumstance, but <laughs> never Boone's Farm. You know, I, it's not in there anymore, but there was a sixer of uh, Zima in the refrigerator outside in our garage for probably 10 years, not going to lie. Well, considering they didn't make it for like 15, that's impressive. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't think one of them ever uh, left the case either. I think all six of them lasted for 10 years until they... Uh, you know, what past their expiration or something. Until your little cousin house sat for you, and then all of a sudden they're all gone. (laughs) Weird how that happens. Little Timmy's blind now, but it was a hell of a weekend. (laughs) He also has a really bad stomach ache after all that sugar. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, let's go ahead and get started, shall we? So, if I counted correctly, this is episode 54 to begin this season. We're going to kick off the season just like the XFL just kicked off their season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Since we haven't talked sports in a while, and since we all need to get new topics at the end of this episode for Providence, we have decided to do a three-way giggity discussion on our favorite (laughs) sports franchises that either no longer exist uh, because we're old, and we'll also include expansion teams that came into existence. Uh, yeah, it should be a hoot. Woo. Hoot, hoot. Yes, it should. Sort of a menage podcast. <laughs> oh. A little squid bro code, if you will. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Remember, we will pick up next week's topic at the end of the episode. This week, we'll be kicking it old school as we always do. Since none of us have any topics in the hopper currently, we are going to be doing a fast-paced version of dibs, just like in middle school. We like to affectionately call call this game Communist Newscasters. The slowest draw will go first next episode. So sports and things. Um, sports ball. Yeah. So I actually went to the uh, the opener for the XFL recently. It was awesome. Uh, the the DC Defenders versus the Seattle Dragons. Kind of cool. cool. I do have to say I uh, had very low expectations going in because of how much of a travesty the XFL was the original time around. It came up with some really cool ideas, and there was some really, you know, some uh, some things that they carried over from the XFL to the NFL, so they really had bright ideas. 
But they also basically just made it a complete mess of uh, exploiting women, injuring as many people as violently as possible, and yep. uh, basically just about any other bad thing you could add to football. Um, this one actually seems like... I was going to say, could... it, it used to be like NFL Blitz from the Nintendo yes. 64. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they used to like, have the arcade uh, cabinet if, version too, but... <laughs> like, if any of you uh, listeners haven't seen an XFL game from the original run, uh, there were a lot of really just horrible ideas, but probably the worst of all was the opening kickoff. So obviously in football... You have one team lined up on one side to kick, one to receive. You kick the ball, they catch it, and run it. Well, that wasn't exciting enough for the XFL. So what they did is they put the ball on the tee on the 50-yard line and then had the two fastest players from both teams rush the ball and dive to catch it. Oh my this God. led to severe concussions, broken arms, broken legs, broken ribs, whatever else you could imagine, as these two people are colliding after a full sprint uh, to catch this ball. <laughs> so it was it was a mess. But they this actually seems like it could be a good league. Like the teams seem like they have some good uh, talent on them. The rules that they have seem to be very interesting you know the the they're way very they ruly yes they're very ruly um, yes yeah. <laughs> as opposed to unruly yes. um the one rule i thought was really interesting while we were at the game so for the kickoff now instead of having everyone just or like two players make a mad dash towards a ball in the middle of the field they do a kickoff almost like the nfl with one exception in that none of the players on the line of scrimmage can move until the receiving team has caught the ball or at least or the balls touched the ground basically so for once, either team for either team so no yeah. one can move and then as soon as they catch the ball then they can move so you never have someone right in your face trying to stare you down even if you call like a fair catch you know mm -hmm. you, you still flinch it hits you in the face instead of the hands and then you don't catch it um but if the kick doesn't make it past that line of scrimmage or doesn't make it past another certain point in the field i'm trying to remember the exact rule they get to move to their opponent's 45-yard line. Yeah. It, and watching that live, it was just like, oh, that kick wasn't very good. Maybe they'll have them redo it or something. Like, nope. Nope. That's a penalty. You're moving up to your opponent's 45-yard line. So, mm -hmm. like, just crazy, crazy stuff. But Yeah, you um, can tell that the goal of a lot of their rules is to give the audience more offense. Yeah. Although... In the game I went to, as well as the game I watched, which was L.A. versus Houston, there was not yep. a single one of those double passes. I was really hoping for a double forward pass and did not see yeah. a single one. So, so that's a that's a interesting rule, too. So in the NFL, you obviously can only have one forward pass. Everything else has to be reversed. Uh, with the XFL, though, the quarterback can actually throw the ball forward but as long as the other receiver isn't past the line of scrimmage, they can do another forward pass. So that's kind of a unique idea, a unique yeah. concept. Another way to add a kind of interesting touch to the offense. Absolutely. Absolutely. May I interject a question? Yes, please. 
So I had heard a rumor that uh, a lot of the season opener games were papered, as meaning that a lot of the tickets were given away for free or promotional. It's funny you mentioned uh, that because they want because <laughs> uh, they wanted to you know pack the stands as much as possible for the uh, TV premiere. Uh, so Brian, did you pay for your tickets or were they a promotion of some sort? They were a promotion. So the previous weekend, I went to the auto show with a couple buddies, uh, one of which who gave up drinking alcohol for the entire month of January. And so on February 1st, when we went to the auto show, I think he had two or three beers and was absolutely hammered. And so um, (laughs) while we were walking back to the Metro, he had someone approach him like, hey, would you like free tickets to next week's XFL game? And he's like, what? No, that sounds crazy. But this guy does, pointing to our other friend that was with us. And he signed up, gave them his email address, and literally the next day they're like, fill out this three-question survey and we'll send you three free tickets. So, and the seats were amazing. Like, I mean, they were way up. I think we were like five or six rows from the top. But from where we were sitting, we could see all the action and you could see the Capitol building as like the backdrop, basically. Oh, Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, So that was really cool. And, um, but yeah, we didn't pay a thing for it. And to the best of my knowledge, my less drunk friend uh, has only received that one email, basically giving him the survey and the second email with the tickets themselves. He hasn't received any other junk or spam like every 30 minutes because um, I think it's all through the same company that does the Caps, the Wizards, the Mystics, uh, Georgetown basketball, all of that stuff. So, and he hasn't received anything about that yet. So, uh, knock on wood. So, <laughs> little, I shouldn't say little known secret because I think it's a well known secret, but that is a classic Vince McMahon company move. Oh, yeah. So, anything that Vince McMahon is promoting that um, is new or they're trying, basically, if they're trying to sell ad revenue, they want the live events to look as busy as possible. Mm-hmm. So, anytime you see a survey for Titan Sports, WWE, XFL, any of the McMahon owned companies, do it because it always results in free tickets. Now you're not going to get WrestleMania tickets or something like that. Cause that's going to sell out regardless. But like, let's say that they're doing a stage show at your local Coliseum. Chances are, uh, if you poke around, you can get free tickets. Nice. That's really interesting. Um, I did not know that. And like I said, I thought it sounded like kind of a scam. My really drunk friend thought it was kind of a scam, but <laughs> the, the moderately sober one was like, That's you good know instincts what? right there. Yeah. Well, it was in Chinatown of DC. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, you know, trying to peddle all sorts Scalpers, of different things. Shady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Scalpers who are actually cops. Yeah. There's a lot of th- <laughs> things you got to be mindful of. Is scalping of. <laughs> illegal in DC? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I've never understood the rules for ticket scalping because 90% of tickets are now sold on a secondary market. So what's the difference between buying that off of a person on the street and buying it from, say, StubHub as opposed to Ticketmaster or the venue? Because it's a corporation. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Because you know when Ticketmaster sells out in 25 (laughs) seconds and only two people were able to log in, you know that uh, individuals were not buying those tickets. No, one robot bought an entire stadium of Dave Matthews tickets, so. (laughs) It's true, 100% true. Yeah. (laughs) 
that's fair because who would want to actually go to a Dave Matthews concert? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> He, Sorry, not, I actually he, don't mind Dave. I'm saying he's not my just, favorite, but he's not my least favorite either. So yeah, um, <laughs> Power Man Five Thousand. I've I've heard he puts on a good live show. Power Man Five Thousand opening for Dave Matthews would be amazing. Oh, what if, <laughs> that what would truly really be worlds colliding. <laughs> what about Dave Matthews singing and Power Man Five Thousand as his backing band? That would be really weird. That would be really weird. <laughs> Did you guys know Sublime's here too? They're not part of the venue. They just are in back, so we're gonna have them play a set. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just showed up with their equipment and really wanted to get some attention. So here you go. <laughs> Rode down on longboards from the airport. <laughs> it's a long haul in Milwaukee in March, but you know <laughs> <laughs> they, they they've actually just been uh, tagging along on the tour by uh, grabbing onto the back of the tour bus and riding. Riding their uh, long boards along. <laughs> ah, the sad part is, is I just wanted to make a nervous in the alley joke because you're talking about shady areas, and that's the closest I could wrap it around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Paul, did you have any thoughts about the XFL? It's funny that you mention it because when you said that we were going to be talking about sports franchises that no longer existed, uh, Two of my favorite teams that are no longer around just happen to be XFL. <laughs> hey, there we go. Uh, so after you guys got done bashing the you know 2001 version of the XFL, that was the last time that I watched football. Wow, that's that's <laughs> um, impressive. Well, I mean, you know, I was like 2001. I think I was 16. Sounds about so, right. So yeah. yeah, somewhere in there, and. Um, being misogynistic and um, swearing, injuries, heavy violence, those were all things I was into. Right, oh, yeah. right, right. Not, not saying I'm proud of it. That's just part of being a teenage male in the 90s. Yes, agreed. Or early 2000s. With, a, well, with your chain wallet and uh, your gel your hair. Your Jayco jeans. <laughs> <Yep>. and... <laughs> well, I mean, it certainly was a, a, a novelty concept at the time. It was fun to watch and in hindsight it was really uh when you hear i guess like when you actually watched like a game it didn't seem that crazy but when you go back and like uh there's a podcast that paul and i uh listened to with a guy named bruce pritchard and there was one where he went back and talked about him being involved in the xfl because he worked for wwe and vince mcmahon and uh, just listening to all the stuff, like when you see it isolated in a game, it doesn't seem that bad. But when you take it as a whole, it's like, wow, that really was just a terrible idea. <laughs> like, why would you do that? You know what it reminds me of is like the sports version of Action Park. Yes. Yes. Hundred yes. <laughs> percent. Well, when the I was... water park in New Jersey, where like everybody was drowning and breaking bones and everything. For those who haven't listened to our water parks episode, it, um... it kind of reminded me too. I don't know if you guys remember this. There was a movie from I'm trying to 2005 called Murderball. It had yes. It was a. I remember uh, that. Yeah. It, uh, actually, that might not have been... 
You're thinking Rollerball, but... Uh, Rollerball, yes, I'm sorry. Murderball was a, a different one, but it came out around the same time. But yeah, I mean, it was... Monsters Ball, too. Yeah. <laughs> and there's was also a, uh... The, uh, the NC-17 version of Monsters Ball, which is... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Ask your parents before using the credit card, kids. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Rollerball one was like, the at the very beginning, one of the characters is a football player... And it was like this extreme version of football where the quarterback had a visor on that had, it was kind of like Google Glass. It was augmented reality on his visor of like the play schematics and stuff like that. And then he ends up like breaking his neck on the very next play because the dude like flips him and like spikes him on his head. Mm. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, good stuff. Well, that is a perfect segue to one of the teams that I wanted to discuss. The New Jersey Hitmen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is probably my favorite name of a a sports team from anything. And here's the best part. When it became, even when it became the football team, or it became the football team, you go, haha, New Jersey hitmen. I mean, you know, call it like you seen it, own it. The, the crowd, everybody embraced it. They were all behind it. I came to find out recently doing research for this that New Jersey hitmen is also the name of their nationally recognized peewee hockey team. Yeah. Yep. Really? I, I, I have no idea. I'm, yeah, I'm I didn't know that either. That's crazy. Right now. Their logo is uh, jersey in in like a half uh, circle on the top, and then it says hitmen across the bottom with bullet holes in all of the letters. And then wow. the and then the uh, mascot on it is a mobster wearing a pinstripe suit, a fedora with hockey gloves and a hockey stick. I can just imagine like someone from out of town like sitting in the visitor section and just kind of like chuckling to themselves like, ah, New Jersey hitman. Oh, that's funny. And like the next section, they're like, oh, you think that's funny? You think that's funny? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, man. It's funny. You can laugh. Ah, I'm, just, I'm just yanking your chain, bro. You can laugh. Does it you make can you laugh. laugh? <laughs> you can laugh, bro, but don't laugh too long. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> Be careful, Paul. That laugh went on a little too long. <laughs> But, I mean, New Jersey apparently really loves their hitmen. Um, in the premiere of the XFL, even though the New Jersey hitmen went 19-0 and against the Las Vegas Outlaws, the, av- the attendance for that game was over 28,000 fans. Wow. And the average attendance through the entire XFL season was above 20,000, making it the second highest franchise behind the San Francisco Demons in the NX- XFL as far as actual tickets sold. Wow. And that's not papered. That's actually the tickets purchased to see the New Jersey Hitmen. Wow. Yeah, um, that's remarkable. And they had, like, the worst colors ever. Don't get me wrong. Like X, the, X, the classic XFL, I can't speak to the new one because I haven't watched very much of it yet. They were great with their team names. I loved the concept of putting the uh, names on the jerseys. But royal blue, silver, and black were the tricolor for the New Jersey Hitmen. Like... 
you need a special light and camera to even be able to make out the logo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was a great idea. How many shades of black can we do here? Well, this one, we'll just make it a little blue, and we'll throw some silver in there so you can read their names, and then the rest, it's all black, because we're the hitmen. <laughs> now, see, none of their fans were actually allowed to drive Crown Vicks, because if they did, <laughs> they'd be accused for impersonating a police officer. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm picturing is like a state trooper's outfit when you're talking royal blue with black and silver. That's exactly what I'm picturing. <laughs> That's a perfect way to describe it. Um, the general manager of the New Jersey Hitmen was actually Drew Pearson, uh, the former Cowboys wide receiver. Really? Yeah. As far as I know, he was one of the few. Um, he was one of the few people to not. None, not a lot of their coaches were very well renowned, but they were all real coaches. And I'm not saying Drew Pearson isn't a real coach, but I mean to go 19 and 0 in your first debut game, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have picked the wide receiver. <laughs> Some tells me they were going a little more for name recognition there to try and give credibility to the league. Mm-hmm. That could be. That could be. Yeah, makes sense. In kind of the football arena here. Um, I will talk about mine. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I kind of went a little bit more on the side of teams that began their existence in the 90s um, as opposed to teams that ceased to exist in the 90s. The first one that I picked was... Could the Browns be both? Uh, Yes, it could. It could. Probably, yeah. Uh, So the team I picked uh, first was the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they uh, are obviously a NFL team. They began their existence actually as uh, a Houston team. So they were the Houston Oilers. So technically the franchise itself has existed since 1959. Uh, You're almost getting a two for one here then because it's the Houston Oilers <laughs> that no longer exist. Yeah, that's true. And the Tennessee Titans that now exist. That's very true. Good you, point. You're a, you're a bargain shopper here, sir. Hey, you know, I do what I can. I, I like to be as efficient as possible. I, uh, I love that. I love that. So, uh, yeah, so the f- 1959 is when the Oilers uh, started. But then in 1997 is when they moved from Houston to Nashville and became the Tennessee Titans. I remember just loving them when they first came out. I don't even remember really why I like ended up watching them so much. Part of it probably could have been that growing up in the West Michigan area, uh, the Detroit Lions were usually on, and so I couldn't watch the team that I grew up uh, liking, which was the Chicago Bears. Uh, we, you know, we didn't get a ton of their games. You'd yeah, maybe get it's like, usually either the Lions or the or the Packers because they were in our division and have always historically been good. Yeah, so right. like, so Vikings and Bears games were pretty hard to come by mm-hmm. most most Sundays. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. Um, so I think the reason I just ended up catching a lot of Titans games is I think they just televised a lot of their games early on because they were a new team. They wanted to get some fan base and also some exposure for them, but uh, really ended up liking the team. I, I loved the players that they had on their team. Their their uh, most notable uh, season would have been 99, so just two years after they began, uh, is when they went to the Super Bowl 
and they lost by one yard uh, to the, uh, at the time, (laughs) St. Louis Rams. Uh, They uh, threw a pass, got all the way down to the one-yard line, then he got tackled and couldn't reach over the goal line. Uh, So that was a little heartbreaking, but... Uh, that, that was team, uh, that was when uh, Kurt Warner was their quarterback uh, in St. Louis, right? Yes, yes, that's yep, correct. Yep. And then on uh, the the Tennessee Titans side, you had Steve McNair as the quarterback. You had oh, Eddie yeah. George uh, as a running back, and I think part of the reason I liked them so much was because Eddie George was basically a cheat code in the football games, kind of like uh, Bo Jackson was. Bo Jackson, in, yep. <laughs> yeah, in Tecmo Super Bowl. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, he was so good. Uh, and then they had Lorenzo Neal at fullback, uh, Kevin Dyson and Yancey Thigpen uh, at wide receiver. They had Frank Wycheck at tight end, uh, Javon Curse, who was insanely good defensive end. So I think I just liked them because they had really good players. Uh, obviously, I mean, they made the – Super Bowl after only two years of existence, or, or I guess technically it would have been their third season in existence, but still, that's really impressive. And uh, I just, I guess the color scheme was really interesting too, because uh, they kind of had that light blue color, and uh, the their uh, logo was a giant sword uh, in the middle of their field and stuff. So I think, I think a lot of it was just kind of the novelty of the newness of the team and stuff, but they actually had a really good team and were able to put together a pretty decent season, very short on into their existence. So I, they just a really cool team. And I, I always really liked that core group of guys that they had early on. Sure. So I'm unfamiliar with them. What happened to them? They get sold to another city or how's it, are they still in existence? Oh yeah. The Titans are still in existence. They actually, uh, they were in the playoffs this year. Yeah, they had a pretty good run in the playoffs. I think they got beat by, was it Kansas City? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because they beat the pants off of Baltimore. Yeah, yep. Yeah, Kansas yeah. City. Uh. <laughs> the the one in, uh, in uh, Missouri, not Kansas. Not Kansas, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the, they've continued to have, I mean, they uh, they struggled for a bit after they lost that original core group. They uh, struggled for a while and really couldn't find a good, solid core group of guys. But uh, obviously they came across some good ones this year. And uh, I can't remember who the quarterback was for him this year. They Normally it's Marcus Mariota. Right. But he was out injured and they had... Uh, oh, it was... Uh, wasn't it Ryan Tannehill? It, the I th- the I former so. uh, Dolphin? I think it might be, yeah. Yeah, and he he put together a, a real good end of the season for him. Is it true that with the Dolphins for $80, they'll let you come down to the field and call, uh, call a play? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but they might as well because nobody's going to the games as bad as they've been. Um, yeah. they were They were, although it's really funny because everyone was talking about how bad the Dolphins and the Redskins were this last season, but Cincinnati was way worse, and oh, nobody yeah. was talking about that at all. Like, yep. I was just like, oh, okay. They, yeah, I guess, I guess they're bad, too. Yeah, I mean, in they a way, have, they're bad. It's like they <laughs> have the worst record by a lot. <laughs> there there was actually a guy, I remember hearing on the radio, there was a guy who uh, stayed on the roof of his business until the Bengals won a game, and it wasn't until, like, week 14 like or 15. Yeah, it was way late in the season, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the, the deal was he had to stay on the roof of the building 
23 out of the 24 hours a day until they won a game every every day of the week. Oh my god. Here here's I, the best part too. He's the one that made the bet. Like none of his friends were like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, we'll bet you the, you know." He was just like, "I'm going to show how much of a fan I am. I'm not coming down from my roof until they win a game." That backfired horribly. <laughs> I've never had that sort of like dedication to a sports franchise in my life. Uh, the closest way you could, maybe Bruce Campbell, you could get me to camp out for something like that. <laughs> sure, sure. That's so I, funny. I would say I might be close with the Cubs, but I don't think I could ever like be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna you know live on the roof of my building until they win, you know, the, win the pennant again or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm not gonna take custody of my kids until the Angels win the pennant. You know. <laughs> Um, oh speak- my god, what a reference that was, Brian. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of crazy sports <laughs> bets that have happened like in the last five years, uh, there was um, a bar in either Green Bay or Milwaukee. I don't know. It, it was obviously a Packers bar. And they used to do this happy hour special on Sundays that from, I think, like from noon when the bar opened until the Packers scored their first point. Every beer was free. Oh, or maybe it was from kickoff until the the Packers scored their first point. Every beer was free, something like that. And then there was one game that season where they got shut out. So, <laughs> so literally, like the beer had to be free for like the next whole week. Um, so they, uh, I think, after like halfway through Monday, they're like, no, no, this this is. This is crazy. We we this, can't do this. this. This was a bad idea. <laughs> we are um, no longer doing this promotion. So <laughs> we also we also no longer exist because uh, we currently are like three hundred thousand dollars in debt just from our uh, alcohol bill. I mean, we still have free beer, but it's the uh, it's the green beer left over from last St. Patrick's oh, Day. Enjoy. <laughs> I say it's no longer a bar; it's a hostel. Um, <laughs> all these drunk people sleeping on the floor. Um, <laughs> so, uh, kind of piggybacking off Adam. Um, so, the team that I picked as my expansion team uh, is another football team, uh, and that would be the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina yep. Panthers, unlike the um, the Tennessee Titans, I did not go bargain shopping with the the Houston Tennessee matchup. The, <laughs> the the Carolina Panthers were brand spanking new in 1995. Um, they are currently based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and play out of the Bank of America Stadium. My uh, brother in law actually his building is Kitty Corner from Bank of America Stadium. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, so he and his fiance have their uh, room now that's in a different place, but their his old room when he lived by himself, he could actually look into the stadium, and the TV mounted to his wall was essentially the same size based on perspective as the Jumbotron over in Bank of America. <laughs> wow. So he could watch the game in either place. Um, yeah, really crazy. Yeah, I bet um, the delay would be annoying. Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> Hear all this cheering. It's like, what happened? What happened? Oh, there's the interception. Okay, got it, got it. Um, um, so, yeah, in 95, though, when they first started, the uh, Bank of America Stadium was still being built, and so they actually played their games in Clemson at uh, Clemson Stadium. I think it's Memorial Park or something like that. Um, 
So Jerry Richardson is the owner of the team. He um, actually is a former wide receiver of another team that um, ceased to exist during our time frame, the Baltimore Colts. Mm-hmm. Um, Those are two things that I don't put together in my head. <laughs> the B- Baltimore Colts? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Baltimore and Colts. Because I, when I think Colts, I assume horse, right? Well, yeah, it's, that's uh, the, the Preakness is in Baltimore. I have no idea what that is. It's, it's one of the it's one of the top three. Like if you win the Preakness, the Kentucky Derby, and there's one other one I'm forgetting right now. Uh, that's See, I get, used to have a sports betting problem, so I'm not allowed to watch horse races uh, anymore. Yeah, yeah. So the Preakness is <laughs> is up there with the Kentucky Derby as one of one of the Triple Crown. Uh, uh, I remember the Derby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he also um when so they ended up winning in 1959 the uh, the Colts, not the. Not the Panthers. They ended up winning the national championship in 1959 before it was called the Super Bowl. And so Richardson used his earnings to co-found Hardee's, the 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 fast food chain. chain. Yeah, the fast food chain. Yep, yep. So that's where he got all of his Boca bucks. And from there, he's like, well, I want to start my (laughs) own team. And so in 1995, the same year that the Jacksonville Jaguars started, the Carolinas got the bid to have their own um, their own expansion team, and that's how the Carolina Panthers were birthed. Um, do you guys birthed? Yeah. <laughs> do you guys watch um, the Good Place at all? Nope. Uh, I've seen season one and a little bit of season two. I I need so, to keep watching it. So Jason Mendoza. Side note: Jason Mendoza and Jason Momoa are two names I always get mixed up, even though they're not <laughs> at all similar people. Um, one is a real person who's jacked, and one is a fictional person who is like super skinny. But like, he's like a dancer jacked, where where Jason Momoa is like does bicep curls with pickup trucks jacked. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, he's obsessed with the Jacksonville Jags, and I love it. Um, He's really obsessed with Blake Bortles. In one of the seasons, I think it's season three, it was when Blake Bortles was no longer playing for the Jags, and he didn't know that because he's you know in the good place or whatever. And so one of the characters was telling him that he got traded, and he couldn't believe it. And it's pretty amusing. Pretty amusing. But yeah, going back to the Panthers, um, they have no Super Bowl wins. Um, they do have two conference championships though. So they, they went to the Super Bowl twice, once during our time frame in 2003, and then more recently in 2015, they do have six division championships though, in 96, 2003, 2008, 2013, 2014, and 2015. So they hit kind of a sweet spot in the 2000 teens. Um, and then they also had wild card appearances in 2005 and 2017. I don't have a ton on this team because I don't follow them terribly closely. Um, but you know, considering I go down to Charlotte at least once a year to go visit my brother-in-law and stuff like that, um, I did want to include them. They are a fun team to watch. Cam Newton used to be a really fun quarterback to watch. Now he's <laughs> kind of scary to watch. <laughs> the older the older you get as a quarterback the less you should probably be diving headfirst into other players, but he hasn't fully learned that (laughs) lesson. Well, especially after he got in that pretty serious car wreck just, what, like a season or two ago? Yeah, Mm -hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's a perfect segue into the next team I wanted to talk about, if I can run with it. Yes, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, go ahead. So, real quick, though, before I go to my team, 
I always appreciate when you're uh, going through your notes, Brian, and I can hear the page flip because that lends a little bit of credibility to us because Adam and I are totally just talking out our ass 90% <laughs> of the time. And I feel I, I'm picturing you with the big glasses and like a notebook and just journals and everything ready to go. And Adam and I are just like, foosball, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually the Encyclopedia Britannica. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and Which is still the... relevant in our time frame. That's yes. right. That's right. Uh, back when people used to sell them door to door. Could you imagine carrying samples of that door to door? Nope, not at all. That I would w- just take would be S because you got S, W, and T. And what else do you really need? Sure. Yeah. But anyway, back to moving the show. On, moving on. <laughs> So you brought up the Panthers, which is the perfect segue into probably my second. This is a struggle for me because, like, going back, I last time I watched football and actually paid attention and enjoyed it was the XFL in 2001. So Las Vegas Outlaws. I love oh, them yeah. for a bunch of reasons, but... You know, Vegas typically has issues holding on to sports teams. I mean, you know, some of them obvious, some of them not so obvious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, agreed, agreed. Uh, See my previous bet comment. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) But the Las Vegas Outlaws are near and dear to my heart for a couple of reasons. One being all like i said earlier all xfl colors were terrible but they're but the outlaws were at least unique they were red black and sand Ooh. oh until the outlaws existed i only knew sand as a crayola color <laughs> and it was the one that was like well i don't have flesh so i'll use sand <laughs> that literally sounds like a target uniform <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, khakis. Got it. Got it. All right. All right. (laughs) But the other reason that the Las Vegas Outlaws are near and dear to my heart is he hate me. Rod Smart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things the the original XFL was known for was that they allowed the players to come up or put their nicknames on their jerseys. And probably one of the most charismatic players that I can recall from that era of my life was Rod Smart. I mean, he was he was all that in a bag of chips and he knew it. He he was like the definition of the XFL for a player. Yes. And he had the perfect nickname, which is He Hate Me, which was scrawled across the back of his jersey, and it was awesome. (laughs) He's honestly probably the only player I could name out of that, like, just because of that name, He Hate Me. Well, he was the first XFL player to go to the NFL post-XFL and actually play in a Super Bowl in 2003 for the Panthers. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I did yeah, not know he, uh, that. That's, that's crazy. He's like one of maybe three or four people that have played in both the XFL championship and the Super Bowl. Wow. And probably the only one that did it in that order, like going from XFL to NFL, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the players we saw like had played in the NFL before and either from injuries or they were second string or something, mm-hmm. you know decided to move to the XFL. I did see, too, uh, when I was looking up something a little earlier about the XFL, there is one person who has been in the XFL championship, the Super Bowl, and the Grey Cup, which is the CFL championship. 
So that's quite the honor, to, you know, a d- pretty big distinction to play in the championship for three different leagues. Is the CFL Canada? Yes. Are they in yards or meters? Uh, I don't know, but it is a different length field, uh, and there are slightly different variants to the rules. I know that much, but I've never actually watched a game, so I couldn't tell you much. Who derailed who here? How did we end up on the Canadian Football League? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, I forgot where it was. Oh, Rod Smart. He hate me. Panthers. Yes. So the Las Vegas Outlaws started as an absolute powerhouse at the beginning of the season, but because of some of the stuff we covered at the beginning of the episode, I think that they were like paying people off the street by the end of the season uh, to fill, to put on jerseys and march to the field. I believe uh, their that. very first game, they squashed the Hitman nineteen and zero, and I don't believe they made the championship. Hmm. Interesting. But it's okay, because they were red, black, and sand. Because <laughs> when you go to Vegas, you're either in the red or the black, <laughs> and there's a lot of sand. <laughs> so I'm actually going to be the jerk that jumps out of uh, football and into the obviously superior sport of baseball. So It is a great wide world of sports, to be fair. So. This is true. This is true. Uh, so the, uh, <laughs> I missed the, that show. <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> the the uh, team that I wanted to talk about next was the Colorado Rockies. Uh, so oh, yeah. Obviously the uh, pride of uh, Denver there. They began playing as an expansion team in 1993. Actually played their home games for the first couple seasons at Mile High Stadium, which is where the Denver Broncos play. Uh, but now they play at Coors Field. Pretty unique. The, you know, most of the teams in the Major League Baseball have pretty traditional colors. You know, you got your reds, your grays, your blues, and uh, stuff like that. Orange, whatever. The Rockies, when they started, had purple uniforms, which was very unique, very, mm-hmm. very different from all the other teams. Um, and because they play in Colorado at in Denver, being the Mile High City, they actually are known for being a very hitter-friendly park. Uh, the ball tends to carry really well there, so it's oh, kind the of air fun. is thinner. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, seriously, it it's, be- it's true. Yeah, yeah. Be- <laughs> because they're higher up in elevation, the air is thinner, so there's less uh, resistance on the ball. So they have very hitter friendly games, which is kind of cool because you know it it creates a lot more opportunity for bigger hits, you know, deeper shots into the outfield and stuff. So it's kind of fun to watch their games just because you kind of get a different game than you would at any other stadium in the Major League Baseball. Um, As far as the team, they have never won a World Series. Uh, They did make it to the World Series just a little bit out of our time frame in 2007. However, they were swept by the Boston Red Sox, so... It didn't go so well for them. As you do. As yep, you do, yep. yep. <laughs> uh, back before the Red Sox had to cheat to win the championship, uh, allegedly. But there, There's uh, a lot of teams that are on that list, and they were not the highest on that list. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. But, uh, yeah, the, the 
Colorado Rockies have had some fairly notable players. Obviously, their their core group of guys now uh, has some pretty big names on there. You have uh, Nolan Arenado uh, on there, and some other uh, really you know highly highly skilled players. Uh, but they do have uh, some other very big names that have passed through the halls of their uh, clubhouse, including <laughs> including Dante Bichette, uh, who was an absolute slugger uh, in the major leagues. His son, Bo, now plays in the majors and is following in his dad's footsteps uh, as, as far as being a power hitter. Uh, you have Todd Helton. And then uh, probably most notable for them is the uh, one of the most recent uh, nominees to the Hall of Fame, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, which was uh, Larry Walker. Pretty sure, I, I better double check that, but I'm pretty sure he just was named to the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame this season, along with uh, Derek Jeter and someone else. And I'm completely blanking out, even though this was not that long ago. I'm going to do a little research real quick. <laughs> um, so anyway, the uh, Colorado Rockies have uh, unfortunately never won a championship, but they obviously have made it to the uh, World Series at least once, and they've won the uh, conference championship a couple times throughout their career, including winning the National League championship in 2007, which sent them to the World Series. And then they also... Uh, in 95, two years after they uh, became a franchise, they were the wild card winners of the National League. Uh, same with 2007, 2009, and most recently in 2018. So uh, they've had a little bit of success, but unfortunately they just uh, never quite been able to put it together in a season to be able to get that big championship. I don't have any baseball teams to bring up, unfortunately. Um. <laughs> Real quick, uh, because I did just uh, come across it, I was correct. Uh, Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, and uh, who was the other one? There was uh, Kurt, no, not Kurt Schilling. I know there was one other, and it just disappeared. But yes, I was correct. Larry Walker and Derek Jeter are the most recent nominees to the Hall of Fame. So, boom. There you go. There you go. Goes the dynamite. Well. I also do not have any baseball teams. All right, so since we're still in the world of baseball, we'll go to my uh, last one. Uh, this team began their uh, inaugural season in 1998 after being granted their expansion franchise in 1995, and that was the Arizona Diamondbacks, based out of Phoenix, Arizona, uh, a team that has uh, some pretty cool uniforms. Their logo is an A, but with the diamond back uh, kind of pattern in it. I feel uh, like sand might be one of their uniform colors, too. It is actually. You're correct. It's like a, uh, it's like a burgundy, like well, gray and sand type Yeah, thing. so their their official colors are Sedona Red, Sonoran oh. Sand, Black, Teal, and White, uh, which is a very interesting combination, and it gives them a lot of different variants that they can use like i'm looking yeah. at their page right now and they have six different uniforms that they can use throughout the season that incorporate all of those different colors but sand is definitely an interesting one i'm for surprised sure. that they have teal instead of turquoise because turquoise is naturally occurring out in arizona right so yeah that would be yeah. like the uh yes. so the uh the franchise uh the arizona diamondbacks uh, have had some moderate success. They did actually win 
the World Series, and I just lost what year it was. I believe I feel like it was like two thousand eight, maybe. No, was it was it? Uh, 2001. Oh, 2001. Okay. Y- yeah, oh, yeah 2000- that, that sounds right. Yeah. 2001, they beat the New York Yankees to win the uh, World Series. I was just going to say, I knew they beat the Yankees, but weren't they sandwiched between Yankees series as well? I'm pretty like sure. the year prior were. and the year after, I believe the Yankees won the series. I think you're right, yeah. Um, and then they won the National League West division in 99 uh, 2001, 2002, 2007, and 2011. So they've had some pretty decent success. Uh, they also have had a pretty good list of names that have played uh, through there, including uh, one of the all-time great pitchers, uh, which was Randy Johnson, who obviously made his name pitching for the Seattle Mariners, but finished out his career in Arizona and led to probably the greatest moment in all of baseball uh, when it comes to something not actually related to the play of game, which was when... uh, So Randy Johnson, if you've never seen him, was an absolutely gigantic pitcher. Very tall, very lanky. Um, I forget exactly how tall he was, but, you know, maybe like six foot uh, seven, six foot eight, something like that. Uh, very tall, lanky guy, and with with those kinds of pitchers, you tend to get some heat on the their fastballs. And so Randy Johnson was very well known for throwing a fastball that was w- over a hundred miles per hour, which at the time wasn't as commonplace as it seems to be now. Sure, um, sure, it's still not super common, but there's probably a handful of guys in the majors that can throw that fast. Um, and there were guys before him, too, that could do it. But just for whatever reason, there weren't a ton in his uh, range. But uh, there's one game. Now, they play in an outdoor field. There's one game where Randy Johnson winds up, throws the ball, and just out of sheer happenstance, a bird swoops down, flies <laughs> right in the path of the yep. ball, and gets hit so hard by this 100-mile-per-hour fastball that the bird basically just explodes. Oh, like you see all the, yeah. Yeah. All the yeah. feathers just explode off of it. And you can kind of see in the video, it's real small and real hard to see, but you can see the bird kind of go fly into the backstop uh, to the, what would be the right of the catcher and the, the umpire who are facing towards Randy Johnson. So it goes to their right, but man, that bird just went, poof and disappeared uh it was kind of depending on the angle it looks like the bird disintegrates seriously for the longest time until i saw one that actually highlighted where the bird went i thought that bird actually just ceased to exist like i thought it 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 looks like something out of a cartoon yeah i mean it would not surprise me if they you know panned over to it and there's a fully cooked pigeon sitting (laughs) on a plate like (laughs) yeah seriously i mean that bird got smoked by that ball <laughs> so uh yeah that's probably one of the more unique moments in baseball history uh baseball lore uh but some other big names that have gone through arizona were luis gonzalez kurt schilling who was obviously known for his time in boston as well and then mark grace who might not be as big of a name, but he was one of my childhood favorites. He was the first baseman for the Chicago Cubs when uh, Ryan Sandberg was the second baseman. And yep. when I 
uh, for like the first handful of Cubs games I ever went to, I went to see Sandberg and Grace because I loved those two players. So uh, those two have since been named to the Arizona Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, and then Randy Johnson, well, actually, I'm not sure if any of them have made the actual Hall of Fame yet or not. No, yeah, no. might be too too current. Might be. Uh, They do have, uh, so the Arizona Diamondbacks Hall of Famers, they have Roberto Alomar, Randy Johnson, Alan Trammell of the Detroit Tigers fame. So, yeah, uh, but that's the Diamondbacks. They uh, have won one World Series and, uh, you know, they're, they're okay right now. They're not, they're not great. They're, they're struggling a little bit, but sure, you know, sure. Third time's hey, coming. we're from Michigan. If anybody can get behind a struggling sports team, it's us. That's right. That's, That's right. true. It's amazing. When I moved to the D.C. area um, in 2012, this city was had the longest drought of any of their four professional teams making it to any of the championship games, like respective of their league. Because the last championship they had at all, period, was the Redskins in 92 when they won the Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. And that was the case up until the Caps won the Stanley Cup in, was that 2018? Um, but yeah, it was a long, long time. Now I think Detroit is that city, <laughs> the longest going without any teams making it to a um, a championship or winning a championship game, I should say. Yep. Because they've had, like, the Tigers have made it to a championship, like, to the World Series in the last 15 years, but haven't won. Same, same with uh, with the Red Wings and the Pistons, I think. I might be talking out of my ass now, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear the paper flipping. No, no, I am definitely talking out of my ass, so. But I'm pretty sure that's Welcome. right. <laughs> yeah, it's right. liberating, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So, um, so my team, uh, west of the Mississippi... Uh, is actually a basketball team. So we have not discussed basketball yet, but that is the uh, Seattle Supersonics. Oh, yeah. As a kid, they were my favorite. Despite having, um, you know, Packers colors, they were my favorite. Um, So they were (laughs) um, green and yellow and white. They played in the NBA. They were based in Seattle, Washington. Team was founded in 1967 and uh, disbanded in 2008, uh, where the team relocated and rebranded. So mm-hmm. they um, had one championship before our time frame in 1979. They had three conference titles. Only one in our time frame was 1996. Um, and then they had six division titles, which I believe one, two, three, four, five of those were in our time frame. So 94, 96, 97, 98, and 2005. So during that mid to late 90s era with Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, and they were <clears throat> an unstoppable oh, team. But Those kind guys of, were amazing. Kemp and Payton. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But they've kind of always been a bridesmaid and never the bride. Um, <laughs> so in 2008, as I'm sure a lot of folks know, but in case you don't, um, they 
disbanded and relocated to Oklahoma City, where they became the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kevin Durant actually played his very first season ever in Seattle before they moved to Oklahoma City. So some real famous players. We already mentioned Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Um, I actually used to have a Sean Kemp jersey when I was a kid. And then I actually had a Supersonics starter jacket, but that was after they changed their colors to like the like that rusty burgundy color. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So like late 90s. Uh, I think that was the last starter jacket that I owned because I had a Lions one and a Cowboys one at different times. Um, you also have Jack <laughs> Sigma. You have Paul Westphal, Gus Williams, Fred Brown. We already discussed Kevin Durant uh, and Ray Allen. All amazing oh, players. Yeah. Most of them are Hall of Fame at this point. Um in 2009, there was a documentary that was released called Sonic's Gate Requiem for a Team that talks about the <laughs> downfall of the city of Seattle and its love for basketball. Uh, there's been several attempts to revitalize the team. Um, I know the Atlanta Hawks and the uh, Sacramento Kings have both been discussed as relocating to Seattle to be rebranded as the Supersonics, but that has not happened. Um, the arena they have in mind is not quite up to code. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they need to uh, kind of, what's what I'm looking for, restore that and, and move ahead from there. So we'll see if that ever happens in our lifetimes, but um, Great to be back at the Silverdome, man. I was just thinking about the Silverdome, <laughs> man. Um, you know that that area of the country still does have the the Portland Trail Blazers, which is a good jog from Seattle, but it's still a, a team that people really love and hold out for. It's kind of weird because you have the um, Oklahoma City Thunder and the Portland Trail Blazers, both of which are the only professional teams in those cities. Hmm kind of crazy the the nba has a lot of those though like the the memphis grizzlies and um the sacramento kings there's a bunch of them san antonio spurs right yeah kind of crazy um but there's not many that is i don't know because i was i was just about to say that i don't think there's many team or many cities that only have a baseball team other than san diego and that's a very recent development um Mm -hmm. so Anyway, crazy observation, but that's about all I had about Seattle. I think that they're a, a really they were a really fun team back in the day. Um, really loved Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Um, oh, those two were incredible. Yeah, kind of like playing off of each other. Gosh, so many assists and fakes and mm-hmm. amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. So, who do you have left, Paul? Well, there are. Two American pastimes that we have not covered yet. Okay. And we're here to talk about my true favorite most American sport. And I say that because it originated here and became an international phenomenon. NASCAR? After. (laughs) Damn. Ah, did I guess it? (laughs) Yes. I screwed up. I should have done NASCAR. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, Brian, I'm talking about wrestling, damn all it. Right, all right, you, fair enough. You knew I was not going to get through this without talking about wrestling. Fair enough, fair enough. You've been teasing me with Vince McMahon-owned companies. <laughs> but if there's one thing that wrestling fans hate more than anything, 
it's Vince McMahon-owned companies. <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. Oh, it's like um, Star Wars I love fans. to hate it. Yeah, Star Wars fans hating George Lucas. <laughs> it's so what true. What are you talking about? It's Makes you. It <laughs> <laughs> so Al Pacino? I am what going happened? to talk about a promotion that is near and dear to my heart that you probably don't remember but will when I bring it up, and that is the American Wrestling Association. Wow. The AWA. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Boom. Second time tonight. <laughs> You're not going to be able to sleep tonight, man. All that caffeine and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so the AWA was started in the late 50s. It was originally a territory of the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA. And it was purchased by Vern Gagne, who is a former Olympic athlete in, in his own. Um, Vern Gagne is legit in wrestling. He was an Olympic, he was an Olympic wrestler, uh, super strong man. Uh, he had awards for powerlifting and he was known for teaching people to work stiff. And what that means is he would bring people into his territory, new people, green people, and he would train them like they were going to the Olympics, even though all they were doing was professional wrestling. Uh, that's very different and than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Sorry, I could have definitely used his help in junior high that's for sure <laughs> please walk up to the teacher's desk to turn in your report can I do that later <laughs> if you've ever seen if you've ever seen a picture of Vern Gagne he looks like a shop teacher you would have had in high school oh absolutely yeah like he's just he's I swear that even pictures taken in the 90s look like they're in black and white. He's just got that <laughs> face where he's just like stone cold staring at you. Um but he purchased he purchased the territory from Wally Carbo and he separated from the NWA and he actually almost beat Vince McMahon to a national wrestling promotion. Um, he was teamed with originally um, the Superstation before Turner bought uh, Crockett and created WCW. So in the mid-80s, the AWA was broadcast everywhere if you had cable TV. It was known for big stars that were trained in there. Ric Flair was trained by Vern Gagne. Wow. Um, I, guess some, I, I mean... Ric Flair, like, he doesn't look like he has the athlete, or he doesn't, it doesn't look like he has the body of an athlete, but the man's cardio is absolutely legendary. He could wrestle for hours and run the ropes and run stairs and do everything and hardly break a sweat. And he, he has admitted many times that he owes that to Vern Gagne. And it didn't matter if he was doing a table match with the Dudleys in the, you know, late nineties, or if he was doing chain wrestling in WCW, Ric Flair was there to play and he could go for hours, usually half drunk, but he could go for hours. Um, <laughs> Hulk Hogan, not trained by Ganya, but he started to, he really rose to fame in Japan, but his national exposure was through the AWA. There's a lot of stories that, um, 
basically he knew he was the top guy. He wanted money. He wanted more money or higher percentage of the gate, and they wouldn't give it to him. So he took Vince's offer and he went to New York, and Hulkamania was born. And there's a lot of stories from that area uh, spread Ooh. mostly by the Iron Sheik. Supposedly, Vern Gagne offered the Iron Sheik uh, four grand to break Hulk Hogan's leg in a match. Wow. Oh, I think I've heard that before. Um, some other notable names to come out of the AWA. Uh, legendary announcer and uh, color commentator Mean Gene Okerlund. Uh, yeah, Mean Gene! I, if you don't know who Mean Gene is, if you heard his voice, you would recognize it immediately. He did a lot of voiceover stuff, not just in wrestling, although that's what he's most known for. Uh, he's the guy with the microphone in the back room uh, interviewing everybody before and after matches. Um, mm-hmm. He His voice still narrates my dreams. Doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> I, when, when I think of, when it, my inner monologue sounds like Mean Gene Okerlund. That's, That's awesome. awesome. I, I wish my inner monologue sounded like me and Gene Okerlund. That's awesome. It definitely helps you keep a uh, sunny disposition. <laughs> I, I just have to listen to myself in my internal dialogue, and <laughs> nobody wants to hear me. <laughs> uh, so Not even me. <laughs> other big names. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter was the top guy in the AWA forever. Uh, Nick Bockwinkle held the... So Vern Gagne uh, actually wrestled in the promotion in the 50s through like the early 80s. And uh, Vern held the title uh, quite a few times, but Nick Bockwinkle has the record for holding the uh, championship belt the longest. Uh, Bob Backlund also got his start in the AWA. Hey, I got to meet Bob Backlund a few years ago. Nice guy. You know, it's funny that you say that because Bob Backlund, for some reason, reminds me of your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Just his uh, his ma- mannerisms and his general excitement about everything. <laughs> I guess I could kind of see that. I don't think your dad is going to be uh, doing the stairs the way Bob Backlund did or doing backflips in the uh, uh, locker not. room. But... Prob- I bet they could hold their own in a Euchre game. (laughs) But yeah, that's my pick. Unfortunately, uh, as the WWF expanded uh, nationwide with the USA Network, uh, the AWA just sort of fell into obscurity and it was eventually sold in 91. Now, isn't that that the case that there was kind of an unwritten, like, gentleman's agreement that you weren't really allowed to poach wrestlers from other promotions and that kind of ended with Vince McMahon and the WWF Mm -hmm. kind of I mean more or less so in the territory system of wrestling in the olden days um, most TV was not broadcast nationally it was broadcast out of your local station or affiliates in those areas so you had uh, the National Wrestling Alliance um, which more or less they controlled the uh, booking for all of the major territories and the booking committee would decide who was going to be the champion that would tour around all the other territories so that they got national TV syndication. Got it. Got it. And the AWA was separate from that, but that's kind of how it was governed. And so there was a lot of talent sharing. uh, But yeah, you were basically signed to one company, but you got a percentage of the gate or a percentage of the action as you went in and out of these other territories but the nwa generally if you were a big guy they controlled your booking 
Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. And the idea was, is by sharing talent and moving them around, then your big stars, they became known nationwide instead of just being huge in Memphis or just being huge in Georgia, or in the case of the AWA, in Minnesota. Minnesota? Hey, Minnesota. <laughs> Where they scoop their snow. <laughs> um, but WrestleMania 1 is really what killed um, the AWA. It was kind of uh, all downhill from there. Um, the one thing that I loved about the AWA and Jim Crockett promotions did a little bit of this too, to, in order to compete with WrestleMania, they would do their big shows as part of the regular TV broadcast. And that's something that we're starting to see come back a little bit with AEW, um, or all elite wrestling, which is a newer promotion. Um, but basically they would do what it was called a super card, which that's what WrestleMania is. It's a super card. You take all of your heavy hitters, your big stars, and you put together dream matches and you do five, you know, amazing matches where you, they, you could all argue which one is the main event. And, yeah. uh, the AWA created Supercard. They had Supercard 1 through 3, and uh, they broadcast it on live TV. They only did one closed circuit, and it was cut up and put into their weekly show later. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that, if you especially, I mean, if those were your guys or you're local to the area, why am I going to pay $100 or more likely go to a stadium? You know, before pay-per-view or cable was prolific, if you wanted to watch one of these big Supercards or these events and you were not physically in the building you went to an arena and they would broadcast it closed circuit like on the madison square garden network and mm -hmm. so you actually watched it on the jumbotron in the arena interesting huh i guess i never knew that and uh the awa had a big hand in you know creating the television property and making must-see tv as far as wrestling hmm. that's awesome so thank you Vern. <laughs> and thank you guys for tolerating me talking about wrestling when we're supposed to be talking about sports. There you go. Uh, there you I go. I burned myself. Well, of, of the big four <laughs> sports in America, uh, I do have a team in the last of the big four. So we've already covered baseball, basketball, and football. Um, so I wanted to talk about the Hartford Whalers. The Hartford Whalers played in the NHL. They were based in Hartford, Connecticut. From uh, 1979 to 1997, but they were actually originally part of the World Hockey Association, and they were essentially set up to be a competitor to the NHL. They folded in 79, and some of the teams got absorbed uh, into the NHL. But yeah, so that's kind of where they started. They started in the city of Boston, though, as the New England Whalers from 1972 to 74. But that was problematic because they shared the Boston Garden with the Boston Bruins of the NHL, the Boston Celtics of the NBA, and the Boston Braves of the AHL. So they were constantly the fourth priority all the time. And so eventually a stadium got built in Hartford and they moved not too far down the road. It's kind of interesting because Hartford's right in between the New York City and New England markets. So you kind of have a little bit of both. So why they chose to put a hockey team there as opposed to like, I don't know, a, a city in Wisconsin, for example, who knows? But um, they, they felt that the city really needed one. 
So from 74 to 79, they played in Hartford. And then in 1979, when the WHA dissolved, they were one of four teams to be taken um, into the NHL. So one of the teams still exists as is today, which is the Edmonton Oilers. You also have the Quebec Nordiques, who became... Nordiques! Yes, yes. Who became the Colorado Avalanche in 1995. Um, And then you also had the Winnipeg Jets, who became the Phoenix, and then later the Arizona Coyotes in 1996. And then you had the Hartford Whalers, who in 1997 moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, and became the Carolina Hurricanes. So they never they never won a Stanley Cup. They did have four division championships, though, but only one of those was in the NHL. So the other three were in the WHA. They did have some um, pretty good players over the years that played for them. Um, in the early 90s, Brian Burke, which is weird because we, I grew up with a kid whose name was Brian Burke. Yeah, we did. His last name was spelt differently. But, um, but Brian Burke <laughs> was the general manager of the Whalers at the time, uh, hired a guy who became the head coach, Paul Holmgreer. And uh, so that was in 1992. At the time, they had a really stacked team uh, with Pat Verbeek, Andrew Castles, Jeff Sanderson, Brad McCrimmon, and Chris Pronger. And they really thought they were going to have a, a really like stellar competitive team. And I don't remember if it was that year or the year after, but... Um, they had six players and two coaches get arrested in Buffalo, New York after starting a bar brawl. <laughs> you had several DUI issues. You had, I don't remember if it was um, who it was. Somebody somebody in the front office checked themselves into rehab um, for alcoholism. Um, so they really had a, a really tough run at the time. Um they actually have a theme song, which is unusual for a lot of sporting teams nowadays. There's a few old school baseball and football teams that do, um, but it was Brass Bonanza. It was written by a guy named Jacques. Um, how do you say that? Jacques, you say, but he goes by Jack say. So um, <laughs> Plucky the Whale was their mascot. As I mentioned, they had I'm sorry, several- what? Plucky the Whale was their mascot. Yeah, um, they had several famous players um, among very, very famous Gordie Howe, Russ Anderson, Mark Johnson, uh, Brennan Shanahan, Paul Coffey and Kevin Deneen. Um, and actually, if you um, ever look up Whalers merchandise and stuff like that on eBay or Craigslist or anything like that, you'll almost always find a, a Kevin Deneen uh that will typically be whose jersey it is because he played right at the tail end of their um, their tenure. In popular culture, some of you may remember uh, a little movie with Adam Sandler called The Grown Ups. Mm-hmm. He was a big time Whalers fan for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but he would always wear like a Hartford Whalers shirt and like Yukon hats and stuff like that. But yeah, in 97, after the team had been sucking for a very, very long time, they figured they'd try their hand in a new market. Um, and they've done very, very well for themselves for the most part in North Carolina. So props to them for realizing that might be an appropriate move to make. So, You know who else is in Hartford? I don't. You really don't? Adam does an amazing impression of him. 
I do. You do? Jay Giles? I have no idea. <laughs> Hartford, Connecticut is the home of operations of what was formerly Titan Sports and the still standing location of Titan Tower, which is the parent company of WWF. No. <laughs> I did not realize that. That makes sense because I think they live in Stamford, so that makes sense. So. Interesting. That is true. Interesting. It is Stanford since, but it was originally Hartford. Interesting. Well, cool. Did not know that? Neither did I. I was hoping Adam would jump with me and give me a good (laughs) Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon impression. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The whales are huge. (laughs) Sounds a little like Al Pacino, too. did not disappoint. Look at him. He's huge. <laughs> can I hear um can I hear Al Pacino arguing with Vince McMahon? <laughs> oh god. I think my brain might explode trying to do that. <laughs> Well, I think that wraps up our discussion on millionaires and tights that somehow make life bearable. That's right. <laughs> that's an interesting way to word that paul (laughs) now moving on to communist newscasters Yeah, our old friend. That's right. It's been a while since we've visited. Comrade. Yeah, yeah, that's right, comrade. (laughs) Um, So when you said old friend, I was going to say darkness (laughs) (laughs) for half the year. Yeah. You're north of the uh, north of the Arctic Circle, man. Um, so I will be operating the random number generator as I approach the hopper. I will. Did you blow the dust off of it? I don't think it's been used since it's, it's, like episodes in the twenties. Yeah, I was gonna say I uh, I took the batteries out of my Teddy Ruxpin and uh, no! replaced replaced it with the yeah. They're, those are actually fresher, <laughs> believe it or not. So, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so basically, how this works for those who haven't heard one of our first like ten or eleven episodes, um, I will be listing four different topics. Count one, two, three, and we count dibs. So each person gets to pick one topic. They can pass on one topic, but they can't pass on any more than that. Since we get to topic four, all of us will have topics picked. And because we've never done it quite this way to pick who's going to go next time, um, whoever picks the final topic will be the one to lead um, our episode in two weeks. So, you guys ready? Let's do it. Okay. So, the first we have is Total Recall Movie. One, two, three. Damn it. Dibs. (laughs) Dibs. <laughs> All right. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. All right. Um, See, that's the hard part about this because you don't know what you're missing that's by right. calling it too soon. But I can't let Total Recall go back into the <laughs> hopper. Give those people air! <laughs> <laughs> you could get really hosed, too, so you never, you never know. Um, all right. So the next one is going to be Beanie Babies, Toys, one, two, three. Dibs. All right. Oh, that works. I'll take that one. It was unexpected. All right, Adam. So so you can take this next (laughs) one and or you can pass. But if you pass, you have to take the one after. Sound good? Okay. All right. So the next one is who wants to be a millionaire TV series? One, two, three. 
Yeah, we yeah, just filled it. All right, all right. <laughs> Sounds good. Wonderful. Um, well, there you have it, folks. I will have the topic of Beanie Babies. Paul has the topic of Total Recall. And Adam is walking away with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> be sure to tune in next time when Adam leads that discussion about who wants to be a millionaire. That will be our final answer, folks. And in future weeks, you'll hear us discuss the other topics, um, as well as a slew of others in a wacky, flashbacky discussion that you just don't <laughs> want to miss. <laughs> wacky, flashbacky? <laughs> That's right. It happened to throw backshin. That's your thing, man. That's your thing. I don't want. I don't want to. You know, tread on that. You know. <laughs> well, regardless, we <laughs> want to remind all of our listeners that you should definitely subscribe to Dating Ourselves podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at our website, datingourselvespodcast.com. Well, guys, thanks again. Be sure to join us in two weeks, where Adam will be discussing what? What the hell are you discussing again? Oh yeah, who wants to be a millionaire? That, I, was, I, was, I guess I was, you don't have total recall oh! on the topic. <laughs> oh no, I got I got beans in my head, man. <laughs> Thai beans. Um, but yes, be sure to check that out when we discuss who wants to be a millionaire. And I hopefully will not have to phone a friend to remember what that topic is in the future. So thanks again, guys, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks. And if you like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. We've, We've got, got mail. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwbackion, mother fuzzer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at datingourselvespodcast. And we do the Twitter thing, too, at datedpodcast. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. And you play for the Hartford Whalers. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye! See ya!